0: This is episode 19 of the Lumbar Trucking Podcast. Wait a minute. Did I just say 19? Let's see if this thing's working. Breaker 1-9. Breaker 1-9. Can I get a radio check? Working, Garvin. Thank you, sir. And as you could probably guess, I've been waiting for this episode since episode 1. I knew 19 would come, and of course I was going to seize the opportunity to correlate episode 19 with channel 19 which is the, what the Breaker 1-9 signifies. It's the channel that, for the most part, you're going to be on if you're behind the wheel of a tractor-trailer to keep good communication with other drivers out there, basically within a five-mile radius. And I want to start this episode as just a general PSA to anybody out there who is a driver. I think CB radios should be required, if not mandatory, per the FMCSA and DOT. You know, whenever you talk to somebody go on LinkedIn is talking about the uh, you know, the keys to success in business or the keys to success in relationships. It's always communication. That seems to be a number one or number two or a top five key to succeeding at anything is better communication. And what better way to communicate and have everybody be more aware of what's going on in the general vicinity than every single truck driver having good communication with each other. I think it makes the regular four-wheelers and other drivers out there on the road safer as well to know everything that's going on as opposed to, in, in theory, driving blind. There's a reason why they had CB radios back in the day, it's because there was no Google Maps or GPSs. That's how people communicated and to make sure that they were going the right way and make sure they were do, doing the right thing or, you know, just ha- they needed that type of communication there were no maps they couldn't zoom in and see if they can go down this road or not or make that turn you know but just like with anything when it comes to technology just because we have these GPSs doesn't mean you throw it out for example when i went to mos school in the marine corps for fire direction control there are two different ways to calculate firing data you have a manual way called manual gunnery or you have the digital way the digital way Basically, this computer does everything for you. It does all this mathematics for you. All you need to do is type in the type around you want, the fuse, just the general information you need, just some numbers. That's it. And you punch it in and it spits you out data. Or you have a whole chart, you know, like a, uh, like a grid square chart with a couple of uh, different types of protractor tools, main one being a RDP, range deflection protractor, and then you have these books called TFTs that have a bunch of uh, compiled data based on the range of which you're shooting the weapon. and You have to do some basic kind of trigonometry math to find the same data that the computer will get for you. Now, guess what? When I was at school in 2009, we still learned that stuff. And as far as I know, unless somebody wants to correct me, I'm pretty sure... The FDC course of the Marines still teaches uh, Marine fighter controlmen to do manual gunnery because what happens when shit goes? What's going to happen if shit goes down? Do you lose power, say the United States is at war and we're over there somewhere and we don't have digital communication, but infantry's still out there fighting the war, they may need call for fire and they're calling you on fucking wire radios giving you grid coordinates, and you're like, oh, we can't shoot because the computer's down. That's not how it works. What? Am I going to tell a customer I can't drive because my GPS doesn't work? No. They still fucking sell Rand McNally atlases. They still got CB radios. There's no reason why you shouldn't have both. You know, In, in no scenario would you not want to have both. But that's just my little one-off about the CB radio. Obviously, I needed to take advantage of the opportunity to, uh, you know, correlate the Breaker 1-9 and the, and the Channel 19, you know, haha, super funny, Mike, I know. But anyways, so lately, I've been getting these emails, and I, they're probably targeted emails. Uh, I got two of them for two different, like, either apps or platforms from probably sales guys who work for these apps, small tech companies, talking about what I could do to further boost my podcast and to get more listeners, so to speak. And uh, I responded to one and I was like, oh, thanks for reaching out. Uh, What do I need to do? And I basically just got like this like regurgitated email back that was like automated. I was like, yeah, fuck this. I'm not looking to gain more listeners on the podcast. Do I want people to listen? Sure. Am I opposed to, you know, say a million people listen to this episode? It's not like I don't want people to listen to it, but I'm not, not going out of my way to, uh, to do this. All right. Like I'm doing this for, you know, doing this basically for my own fun. I enjoy doing it. It leaves me a record for myself along the path of my career, but also I've had at least one person tell me they enjoy the podcast. They like what I'm talking about. They enjoy the stories I tell and kind of information of what it's like over the road. And that's all I need. I need one guy to tell me that. If I have one person telling me that, then I'm just going to keep making podcasts. I don't need to pimp them out or anything like that. I'm, I'm just going to allow all this shit to grow organically. And that goes with all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram. I'm not paying, I'm not paying anybody shit to look at me. People want to look. People figure it out. I somehow enter their, their algorithm. Hey, cool. I'm, fi- I'm fine with it. But I'm not going out of my fucking way. You know, I'm just doing this shit to pass the time and have a little fun and, you know, let my friends see what's up. With that, I just I do want to give two shout outs to people who regularly reach out to me. You know, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Zoltan out there in Vegas. What's up, man? Hope you and your family are doing really well. You know, after I drop an episode, he always shoots me a text, you know, gives me some feedback on it, gives me his thoughts, sends me links. You know, that's why I'm making this podcast. And I also want to give a shout-out to a uh, buddy of mine, guy I've kept in touch with for, for a long time now. It's crazy how long I've known him, but Dylan, Dylan, man, Dylan Gadluski. I know you're listening right now. I appreciate you, dog. Met him back at MOS school, like I was just talking about just a few minutes ago. Met him at MOS school in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, back in 2009, and we've just kept in touch. We weren't in the same unit. He was with Tenth Marines, but not. we weren't in the same firing battery or anything, but – because of Facebook, we've just basically stayed friends and always kind of kept in touch. So, you know, social media sometimes, like I've mentioned, it, this technology has its perks. It has its pluses. We need to control how we're using it. We need to control what we're putting into it. But guess what? It's done. It's kept uh, me and it's kept me and a guy like Dylan in touch. and, and we talk about the we talk about the podcast. And he, you know, he gave me some feedback in the episode where I talk about regretting getting out of the Marines. And you know, he. We had a nice conversation about it. You know, it's awesome. That's, that's what this life is all about. It's all about that type of human connection and, and, and having those conversations. And stuff. You know, it's awesome. It's what makes, it's what kind of gives, gives us our why. But, um, but anyways, uh, I've been, I've been kind of rambling for a little bit here. Let's, uh, you know, let me bring you right back up to speed with where I was at. I know I left you off. I was on my way back to Connecticut for my grandmother's funeral. Uh, I appreciate all the well wishes. I had a lot of people reach out to me. Uh, offer their condolences uh like i said she uh my grandmother's kind of been going through it for quite some time now um she's been in a really good mood but she had had some dementia and stuff she was really happy but you know didn't really remember who i was and stuff like that um i think she was ready to uh yeah you know, i think she was ready to move on i i'm confident she's in a better place and you know she really made it there on on just good dna and goodwill alone i mean uh, she was no marathon runner herself, you know, spent a career as a teacher. She just loved life and made it all the way to 93, almost 94 in June, it would have been. So, I mean, she lived a long, good life. Um, you know, proud to, like I mentioned in the last episode, proud to be her grandson. Without her, you know, I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd have the skills or creativity I, I would need to, you know, make, you know, make content like this. So it's awesome. But um, it wasn't all family when I got home. I, you know, I have to, I do have to keep the business on the mind now, especially just starting. Uh, everything around me now is full of negativity. You know, my father said this would happen. A lot of people told me that this is going to happen. You know, when you get started, everything around you is going to feel negative. Everything around you is going to seem like it's against you. It's going to seem like there's no money coming in. It's going to seem like, you know, uh, you're going to start questioning, you know, all of your decisions and. My God is you couldn't be more correct because that's all I'm going through. You know, it's uh, you know, it's quite it's it hits different when, you know, it's like you're jumping out of that plane with no parachute in a little bit of a way. and You're waiting for somebody to come, you know, come stop, come stop you from falling. But I'm I'm pushing through it. And that's that's what we're going to do with this. There's no there's not one step backwards we're going to take. So we're rolling forward when I was home. I had to think about how I was getting getting out of home. Now, I have a friend of mine, Dan, shout out, in Austin. He told me that he had a shipment that needed to be moved from Michigan back to Austin. And he gave me the pickup date for, it was, I want to say, Wednesday the 11th. Sorry. The dates really start to blend together when you go out for longer than a week or so, you, you, you're trying to think of the numbers in your head. So it picked up on the 11th. Now, I was in Connecticut, I was getting to Connecticut for the services on Friday, and I did, I made it right in the nick of time. Literally, I parked at the receiver at 4 a.m., got unloaded, headed straight for the TA in Southington. My dad picked me up from there, he got home, took a quick PT shower, Got swagged up, you know, uh, made sure I looked nice, and we headed down to the funeral home. Literally the, the nick of time. There couldn't have been a better delivery to take. So, but anyways, we had already talked by then on this delivery that needed to be picked up on the 11th. Okay, that's next Wednesday. What am I going to do to make money between that Friday and Wednesday that I need to pick up in Coloma, Michigan, which is kind of maybe 30 miles north of the Indiana border on the western side of Michigan. So I need to make money from there. So I start scouring the load boards. And when I talk about negativity that's surrounding you, there is a lot out there. So I mentioned the brokers in the last episode, these rates are starting to, rates aren't, you know, on average what they were a year ago and fuel is reaching record unprecedented highs. And I'll I'll touch on that towards the end of the episode. So you got to hunt. There's still good freight out there. There's still stuff that needs to be moved. you just got to hunt. you got to do the groundwork. you got to make the calls. You know, you can't just expect somebody to do it for you. You just can't expect it to just drop on your lap or take the first thing you see on the load board. It's just not how it's going to work at this point in time in this industry. So I was scouring, scouring, scouring. Finally, I found something that picked up right outside of Newburgh. New Windsor, New York at a canning facility and it was headed to Columbus, Ohio. And so what I mean by scouring for good rates and stuff, you're going to be dealing with some, you know, uh, tough pickup and delivery times. Like I said, I had to run nights to get this delivery up to Connecticut. So with this one that was going from New Windsor, New York to Columbus, Ohio, I wanted to get myself back on a good schedule that required me to run at night once again. So I was picking up right on a Saturday. So I was only in Connecticut for about a cup of coffee. I picked up at 6:30 p.m. Saturday at a canning facility of a bunch of Natty Light cans fresh off the printers. Like literally the cans were just made. I I have one in the truck. I got to keep one as a little souvenir. Um pretty cool. So I got loaded there. I had to wait a little bit because they were literally being made as I arrived. So I got loaded and I drove straight from New Windsor, New York to Columbus, Ohio through the night. Uh, I actually stopped about 40 miles north in a town called Belleville, Ohio. There's a loves there. I've actually stayed at that loves a couple times before. Once with my wife when she came along with me over Christmas. So it's a familiar spot. The reason why I, why I wanted to drive through the night is because I wanted to have all day Sunday to relax. I Literally, it was, it's a, it was almost a paid day off because I was on, under a load. and I was getting paid, and that load was paying... I'd have to go back and look at that load page. I, I'll put it on YouTube later. So that's a good paying load. So I get to that loads. I sleep for a couple hours, wake up. I get two good workouts in that day. Awesome day. Beautiful weather. I, w- I checked out a cool diner that was in a, a rail car, an old, uh, old rail car. Truly awesome. You couldn't ask for anything better. That load delivered at 530 in the morning on Monday. So I get down there Monday, deliver the load, drop it off. I had to wait a little bit. I guess they were backed up. They had a lot of people coming in. I was there at 445. They got me at a door at 615. So I couldn't complain that much, and they got me unloaded right away. From there, I had already locked in my next load because I looked for it on Sunday. I had that whole day to relax and look at a load look at the load boards already had it locked in from columbus i was going to dayton ohio to pick up a bunch of flour from a malt flour place place smelled like a brewery and that picked up in dayton ohio and went to hammond indiana and that picked up in the afternoon on monday and it delivered Tuesday the next day, and then I'd be in Indiana, and then from there, drive straight to Michigan. It was only about 70 miles from Hammond, Indiana, and there I was for the next load. So that was the first time ever in the trucking world and in my regular life (laughs) where I actually knew how my next seven days was going to go. And it's like there's such a sense of accomplishment to that. And now I'm not somebody who has like OCD or ADHD or anything like, like that where I need to be extremely organized all the time. I'm not saying I'm not a neat guy. I keep my truck in good order and you know, I make sure my, my shit is square. But man, it is, is it such a relaxing feeling to have just your whole week planned out like you know exactly where you're going to be and when. And there's nothing that's going to change it minus a possible mishap with the truck or a flat tire or something. But that's as predicted, those things can happen. If they come up, I'm not gonna get necessarily mad at it. So it was awesome to have the, the week planned out. And so I've made it back to Austin, that's where I am. I'm home at the moment. I'm actually, I got to the receiver early and I just wanted to, I was like, let me record now so I can enjoy the weekend and don't have it hanging over my head. And I'm trying to record next week Because recording now takes up time. Time I could be recording or time I could be looking at the load boards, chasing money, calling brokers, trying to network. So, I mean, I've got to really start budgeting my time a little bit better. And guess what? While I was in transit with this load from Michigan back to Austin, I was stopped off at a Love's right off of 55 South. Just into Arkansas from Missouri, and I scouring some load boards, boom, one popped up real good, paying thirteen hundred bucks. It's paying like three twenty-one a mile to go from right outside San Antonio to about an hour south of Shreveport, Louisiana. Found that. I've already got my Monday. And it's Friday. I know my Monday. That's actually been my biggest concern as an owner operator is okay, I've planned my week out. What about next week? <laughs> it's because it's hard to do that. So my goal at this point now, just from doing this run and gun thing now for you know three weeks, it's fun. It's exhilarating to make calls and negotiate and look at all this different type of freight moving. But the idea here, and the or the ideal goal here, especially for the time being while I'm operating under RNR's carrier authority, is to find a contract. I'm trying to find something that has some stability, just like this customer needs this product move here and this product moved from from there back here X amount of times per week. That's what I'm trying to look for is people who need that type of work. Not because I'm like, yes, being home more is great and very ideal. I know that like like I said, I didn't plan off that for that off the rip, but there are opportunities for it. So that's so it's not necessarily I'm looking for that. No If I could find something that like, put it this way, this load that I'm currently on that went from Michigan to Austin. If I could find a lane like of this where it goes back and forth throughout the week and then you're home for the resets on your 70 hour clock, you do your 34 hour resets. If I can find something like that, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm digging for. That's what I'm networking at when I go to these shippers and everything like that. So if you're listening, and you, know, and you know what I'm talking about, you maybe have some friends out there, please reach out to me. I'm trying to talk and network with anybody in the logistics industry now uh, because I'm running this thing as a business and where r and has been very good to me and great and they're the reason why we're able to thrive in this market currently. Um, we still need to run this truck and run what we're doing as a business so if a better deal comes out there to even power under somebody else's authority, or, to, or you need us to have a motor carrier authority or something like that, I'm, we're, we're open to anything that is going to make us profitable so that we can get ourselves into grow mode so we can really blow this thing up and take you all with me. But that should bring you right up to speed with where I'm at. It's been, it's been good. Like I said, we're fighting out here for good rates. Um, we're fighting for good miles. I, I Feel real confident in the truck I've got Knock on wood pray for me. This thing has done very well. I'm excited about it. Hey, it's You know when talking to guys uh, when we were looking at trucks and you're on Facebook pages a lot of people ask Hey, what do you prefer? What's the best truck out there? What do you guys think and the general consensus is the make of the model truck you have doesn't matter as long as it makes money and that's what this thing is doing right now so no matter the name on the front whether it's peterbilt kenworth western star volvo it doesn't matter what the make is as long as it's making you money and that's what i have in my head now that's uh probably the best (laughs) some of the best piece of advice i've gotten along the way especially with all the other negativity out there. But before I continue, let us hear a word from our sponsor over at Keepers Only. This episode is brought to you by Keepers Only. Keepers Only is an eco-friendly and sustainable clothing brand out of New York. Guys, founder Derek Ciliota grew up spending his summers in Montauk, New York on the water. And at the young age of five years old, grew a deep passion for fishing. So much so that it inspired him create this clothing brand today with some around the corner you're going to want to get some of this apparel guys hoodies joggers bucket hats ball caps and they're very cool comfortable fishing shirts and if you're a trucker like me those fishing shirts will actually come in handy because where sunlight and uv rays are good for you you're behind the wheel of a truck and in this windshield it's like being in a permanent greenhouse protect yourself fishing shirts from keepers only And for all of you out there, you got to go to keepersonly.co and use promo code Lombard Trucking at checkout. That's keepersonly.co and use promo code Lombard Trucking to get 15% off your order. And we're back. So I recently dropped a YouTube where I get into the rising price of diesel fuel as well as impending fuel shortages on the East Coast. And I also talk about a fellow YouTuber by the name of Ken V and his decision to not only quit trucking, but quit YouTube altogether. I wanted to bring him to the podcast because I just have a little bit more thought and opinion on it. And that's where you kind of get the inside baseball from my end of things. As opposed to on the YouTube, I like to keep it a little bit more informative and have to do with the day to day. So let's get right into it. The diesel fuel shortage and the price of diesel on the East Coast. Why is it happening? Well, it's a two pronged monster. has to do with Russia's war in Ukraine, as well as demand skyrocketing above pre-pandemic levels. With Russian oil exports on the low, the United States has decided to fill the gap on their own, with our exports being at record highs. On top of that, the demand for everything is up beyond pre-COVID-19 pandemic levels. And on the East Coast specifically, They're not able to produce enough oil to keep up with that demand. And by produce oil, I mean produce diesel fuel, because the amount of refineries they've had on the East Coast has been cut in half to only seven in the past 15 years. And with their facilities already running at 24-7 operations, even their largest one in Philadelphia says it doesn't know if it can operate at 100% capacity. I think the article in Bloomberg mentions how there's a whole area of the refinery where they don't have enough resources to you know have the facility operate at 100 percent although it is still operating 24 7. so with this happening the price is obviously going through the roof so now what well i can tell you on my end i'm going to be doing everything i can to avoid the east coast when i was leaving the difference in price of diesel from pennsylvania to ohio alone is cheaper by a dollar 6.20 Western PA was 520 in Ohio per gallon. And I know Pennsylvania has some high gas taxes. The prices aren't that different from New York. And I know that has to do with it, but it also has to do with just the regional supply chain of diesel fuel. Okay, so what do we do to fix this issue? Uh, I mean, I'm not a genius. Look, I'm just an owner operator driving a truck. But in my own personal opinion, I'm I'm pro Texas oil. I'm pro drill at this point, and I know some friends of mine are gonna be disappointed to hear that, especially my friends who love the planet and wanna solve climate change. And my thought on that is if we wanna solve climate change, it's not gonna to have to do with consuming less diesel fuel. It's gonna to have to do with change the way we power our cities, which are still runoff coal, natural gas, and oil all combined. It's the cities and our consumption of energy at those levels that power our hospitals, our schools, our business buildings, all of that needs to come away from the fossil fuels and go to nuclear energy. You can't blame trucks and diesel fuel in our trains and ships and planes for destroying the environment. My truck alone is equipped with an after-treatment system that uses diesel exhaust fluid that cleans the emissions of the vehicle. I'm basically doing more to save the planet than you and your paper straw are, all right? We need to get to nuclear energy to power our cities if we're going to solve climate change, not stop using oil to power diesel trucks. If every truck in the country switched over to electric tomorrow, how are you charging them off of coal and natural gas? That, that's how you drum up. If every car, not just truck, if every car switched over to electric, how are you powering them? Oh, you're charging it at home? How do you power your house? Not everybody has solar powered in their house. Can you just charge your car all the time? See where I'm getting at with this? It's just not a viable option yet. Is it maybe the future? Will we have better ways to power vehicles? Absolutely. We got to get there first. Let's do the big part first and power our cities with nuclear energy. Now, people say, oh, that's unsafe. They look at Chernobyl and Fukushima, or you're looking at the Soviet Union that ran itself like a piece of shit country and had no checks and balances and was the absolute worst disaster that could have ever happened. That's the worst case. And then you have Fukushima. I'm sorry, maybe we shouldn't be building nuclear power plants on fault lines. And even then, they use those examples of not use it. How many times have there been chemicals dumped in water and uh, you know, uh, chemical exposure to, to kids and people get cancer and they get sick? We haven't stopped using those chemicals. We used to put fucking asbestos in buildings. They used to put that talc shit in baby powder that gave the Johnson and Johnson shit. And they still sell that shit around the world. But yet here we are fearing nuclear energy, which is the safest and most effective and environmentally, fl- wet, environmentally friendly way to power our cities. And we're ignoring it because honestly, the reason why they're ignoring it is because of the word nuclear. If they changed it to any other word, we'd already be doing it. The other argument is, oh, where are we going to store the nuclear waste? There is real estate in Carlsbad, New Mexico right now that could store all of the nuclear waste it would take by us powering our cities off of nuclear energy for a thousand years. And by a thousand years, if that if the amount of waste adds up and we haven't figured out what to do with it yet, then I guess we probably failed anyways. So right now, if we want to solve this crisis and help Americans now, I'm sorry, we need to continue construction on the Keystone Pipeline and I, we need to let Texas drill and let Let's unleash American energy. There's no easy way to say that. Because what else are we going to do? Some people say, well, Russia just needs to get out of Ukraine. That's all we need to do. That's how we're going to curb inflation. It'll solve this energy crisis. Look, I couldn't agree more. Russia absolutely needs to get out of Ukraine. Okay, so what's the U.S. doing to get Russia out of Ukraine? Because what it looks like we're doing is it looks like we're cutting blank checks and funding Ukraine indefinitely to fight a war. How come I'm not seeing Secretary of State Tony Blinken on TV every day demanding to meet Sergei Lavrov in Geneva for ceasefire or peace talks? That's all I'm saying. If we want Russia out, what are we really doing to get Russia out? Because our actions lead me to believe that our current administration wants this war to continue. And for any proof you need on that, all you need to do is just look at Joe Biden's politics since the 70s. Proof is all right there in the pudding. But I'm going to segue right into talking about my guy Ken V uh, because I did want to end this episode on a positive note. Uh, I'm sure this won't be my first time going off about the president. Won't be my last. And hopefully I have this podcast going long enough where I can criticize many presidents. But anyway, so Ken V He's a young kid. He got into trucking, I want to say, when he was about 23 years old. He started with his dad. Um, his dad taught him the ropes, and he ended up leasing a truck, not like a lease to own from a company. He leased a truck similar to how you would lease a car from a dealership from a place called Wasatch Leasing in Utah, which actually has pretty good deals. The perks of leasing a truck from a dealer is you're virtually doing kind of what I'm doing, um, where like I finance this truck, and it's mine, and I'm free to do what I want, and start my own authority or power under somebody else's authority. He's doing the same thing, but there's a little bit less strings attached. A lot of times lease payments are a little bit more, obviously because there's a lower risk involved and and less of a financial commitment, but look, I'm not i I'm not a finance guru or anything, but he found a good deal on leasing a truck. And so he became an owner operator himself. And in two years he started his own authority. He had two trucks and he was starting a brokerage at the same time. Also, he started his own YouTube channel where he started to document everything. And he made phenomenal content that really talked about the, that, broke down the numbers, the revenue, money coming in, money coming out, his time over the road. Um, all sorts of stuff, just like he made it his goal to drop a video every day, just about random stuff on his mind. And they were really awesome. And a lot of them weren't that long, five to 10 minutes. Uh, they were great, easy to listen to. He could, he talked, he spoke smoothly. They were, they were perfect videos. Uh, and like I've mentioned, it, it's guys like him who got me behind the seat of my own, my own truck. So he recently just, he said fuck it all, he quit. Um, he's, he's got he's deactivated he his authority, sold both of his trucks, and he's also quit YouTube. Now I believe he quit YouTube because I think he got a little red pilled on the social dilemma. Now I'm not gonna lie, I saw that documentary, The Social Dilemma, too. That's why I talk about the toxicity of social media and how we need to clean up the environment. I think he saw that, and he got a little bit spooked. I did, too. I almost wanted to chuck my iPhone and get a flip phone the next day. But he, in his video, talked about how he doesn't want his perception of him online to make it seem like that that's who he is in real life. He's not who he is on the Internet. Um, It sounded a little bit like a tad of an identity crisis, and I don't blame him. Uh, he's, He's still a young cat. He was probably getting a little bit upset, maybe at some of the shit people were saying or how they were asking him or how they viewed him in real life when they met him. And so I kind of feel bad. It shows you how toxic maybe some of this technology can be towards people, especially young people who kind of grew up with this technology always in their lives as opposed to people in our generation who know what, who knew what life was beforehand. But also, he, he not only quit the social media thing, which a lot of people have done, he quit trucking. And the reason why I wanted to touch on it is because um, it right off the rip, it scared the shit out of me. I was like, because this guy was a young cat success story who crushed it and did really well. He put his head down, did the work. He knew that he had to do. And he was, like I said, he was a monster success story. From Detroit, moved to Phoenix after he got some money. Like watching his story has been really remarkable and impressive than to see him. And I'm trying to follow the same path that he was on. And so to see him quit, guess what that makes me do? Second guess things. But then I have to step back and assess. I'm not going to blame Ken V for quitting and selling his company. There's people who do that for a living. They start businesses or they get involved with businesses at the ground floor, build them up, sell them off. Then they go to another company, build them up, sell them off. That's all he did. He started a business, grew it to a point to where it was valuable, and sold it off. That's all he at the, No matter what you're looking at, if, if it's fuel prices, freight rates, everything like that, at the end of the day, that's all he did. Build a company, make it valuable, sold it off. When, when you start peeling that back and you're like, oh, well, You know, he rode a really good wave of a trucking boom, and then the going got tough, and maybe it is tough. Should I do this? I'm just here to offer the advice of to not peel back those layers and think too deep into it. If you have a dream, if you want to do something, if you want to start a business, you got to go ahead and just do it. Don't pay attention to anybody around you. I don't worship these guys, but the Bezos, the Elons, the Zuckerbergs of the world, they did not get to where they were because they just listened and watched everyone else around them. They did exactly what they wanted to do. They put their head forward and went ahead. Now I'm not saying go ahead and start a horse and carriage business to transport freight. And you wanna compete on the open market with semi-trucks. You know, maybe you can find that in market in Western Pennsylvania with the Amish or something, I don't know. But if you're trying to grow, a, you, you know, I'm, like, like I said, I'm just saying, make good decisions have them thought out don't jump into things without having like a, a plan or anything but don't listen to any of that negativity out there because it's going to bring you down and i feel as though a lot of people are held back by some of those uh you know some of those negative thoughts out there and negative energy just go forward and anything you do now ken v himself i'll leave it I, i'll leave you guys with this he mentions that he was not he's not a fan of how things are going in the economy right now. He doesn't believe that they're normal, and he does toss a lot of, a lot of blame on the current administration. Uh, he's, he's left the door open to return to trucking, and he hopes to, and he said, maybe when there is a new president. And it's just, you know, it's sad to hear something like that, that it relies on, you know, people who wanna start a business and, you know, really wanna work hard, that the government gets in the way of of that you know, it's sad that, that he had to walk away from something he he was thoroughly enjoying and um crushing it at. you know it's it's disappointing just to see the government get in the way but like i said i can go on and I've, I've gone on quite a bit in this episode um leave me some feedback if you could shoot me a text you know i mentioned the guys at the top of the episode who always reach out and offer some feedback uh, i'm looking for that for anybody else um if you're just going to say, fuck you, your shit sucks, then you know, keep it to yourself. I don't need to hear that. But if you've got any ideas you want me to talk about, stuff you see out there in the freight world or questions you've got, you know, let me know. Give me your feedback. Uh, I'm more than willing to talk about it. You want to talk about anything I talk about in this episode, oil, how you think we can fix things, you know, your ideas, your conspiracy theories. Like I said, I'm always here to chat. That's why I end the podcast. But the same phrase every time is because I am always here. I will be here to talk to you through anything. Get at me on all the socials. I've been dropping TikToks and reels and YouTube shorts. And, um, you know, I'm active. You can kind of follow my day-to-day on Instagram. Get at me on Twitter for a little bit more of my shit talking. Like I said, you know, like guys like Jocko say, careful of that algorithm. We are the product at the end of the day. We're, We're what's being sold. Just try not to, try not to make yourself the product. You know, like I said, let's keep, let's keep the internet, uh, ro- internet roadways and riverways clean. Let's bring some positivity out there in the world. With that, if you ever just want to talk, guys, you know I'll be here.